the energy level is high today on the show. Stone, Drew, and I have been going back and forth for about 30 minutes before we started recording. So we figured we'd just go ahead and hit the record button to, to capture this energy. Um, we got a lot to get to. This will be our first college football heavy show of the year so far. We normally do NFL, but I think college football is getting very interesting. In the NFL, we had some surprising storylines uh, yesterday. I think that we'll want to hit on the Dolphins and Cardinals a little bit. The Raiders and the Chargers, Seahawks, Bills, and then the Packers stomping on the uh, 49ers practice squad, I think it's fair to say. But there isn't much to get to in the NFL. I think it's all going down in college. I'm wearing my Patriots uniform today because the dumpster fire of Monday Night Football is about to be complete with the the play-by-play uh, -play crew and then the two worst rosters. I truly believe these are the two worst rosters in the NFL going head-to-head -to -head tonight. So we'll see where that goes. But Drew, I guess we need to get into the NFL. We're going to forego best and worst today. And we're going to do that because we got we Drew, we have big energy, right? We have big energy and we want to. That's called hashtag water dong. It is. It's hashtag water dong energy. So Drew, you know what? Let's go ahead and start with this game. And I'm not trying to poke at you, but the Ravens and Colts was a battle of five and two teams coming to the weekend. So this was a game you watched very intently um, Ravens win 24 to 10. So your takeaways from this game of AFC East contenders, AFC contenders, not East. Whoa. They used to, I think, I believe they used to be AFC East. Maybe, I don't know. But uh, watching the game for one, we had harped on the Ravens not being able to beat quote unquote, a, you know, a better team. Uh, they also, they actually came back from adversity. It was 10, seven and the Colts looked like to be controlling majority of the first half, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The Ravens had zero rushing yards after the first quarter. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we were looking really good on the defense side of the ball. Um, and then offensively, we were looking fine enough to win the game. And in the second half, the Ravens were able to really open it up. So kind of, I guess, you, my analytical views of the game, Colts defense is for real. Now, we didn't hold the Ravens. I think they had like – I believe it was between 100 and 200 yards rushing. But um, the Colts defense is for real, guys. Defensively against the run, we're really good. Against the pass, we're pretty good. Our front four has a bunch of no-name guys besides really Justin Houston as well as DeForest Buckner. But my gosh, we get after the quarterback. Glover Stewart is a star in the making uh, as well as um, – DeAndre, I don't know how to say his last name. I'm not even number 96 for the Colts on D line. 100% RD front seven is one of the most underrated front sevens. We have a bunch of no name guys who are just playing like studs. Uh, but we suck on the offense side of the ball. We need to get Phillip Rivers out of there ASAP pronto. We need to get some weapons. This draft and offseason needs to be focused on the offense side of the ball. We've put a lot of focus on the defensive side of the ball, and we're seeing dividends being paid out. But offensively, we can't do shit. Drew, um, some stats from this game. Obviously, Lamar Jackson throws for a buck seventy, and the Ravens run for a total of 110 yards. So it, it obviously corroborates everything you're saying with the Colts defense. Um, I know you mentioned his name just now, but can you kind of – how good are you feeling about that DeForest Buckner pickup, man, that trade? Oh, that's a – that was – that's probably the best deal that I've seen the Colts do um, – ever uh they were able to get a guy for a first round pick which i was very upset about because i thought we could have turned it out but getting deforce buckner who he's was better it. than 
he, he was better than anyone we would have gotten yeah. as a rookie. Um, he's already experienced. He played for a really good line at, uh, for the Niners, and now he's producing really well. So, I mean, it, it was a great pickup. Um, you know, we really – we were up 7-0 and we were going down the field. Your guy, Jonathan Taylor, fumbles a ball, which he, we all knew he had fumble issues coming out of college. He fumbles it. it they return it for a touchdown. And, um, yeah, it, it was one of those things where uh, – Sorry, uh, it was one of those things where it's like, uh, what the heck, you know? Is it? It sucks that like he had to fumble and they scored a touchdown, and we because you could tell the momentum changed just a little bit. So, well, your second biggest pickup in the off season was that bad man number three, Rodrigo Blankenship, because he's seems like he's doing pretty well right now, and he honestly might be in contention for uh, All Pro, at least in the AFC. Stone, I have a question for you. Obviously, the the Ravens, you know, they put up 24 points, but seven of those came from a pick six. What what are your thoughts about these two teams going into the latter half of the season, especially the Ravens side? Because I still think people have question marks about Lamar Jackson and their offense. But I think the Colts, with Drew talking about the defense, they're pretty strong. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, who do you feel more confident in going into the latter half of the season? It's a, it's a weird mix because you have the Ravens who have the stout defense as well, but then they have the electric weapon in Lamar Jackson. And if he gets on, you know, if he, if he links up with Hollywood and he gets better with uh, Mark Andrews, then they'll have a good game. If they have, and if they have any kind of run game to back them up, which I don't know who they're going to use now. They're they're flip flopping between Edwards and Dobbins, so I don't. That's that's the weird thing is the weapons with Lamar, and it seems like they are not on the same page. I think I have more concerns with the Colts. I realize their defense is is really good, and I think the Philip Rivers thing, where it's a toss up. It's just a toss up for him if he's going to have a good game, if he's going to throw, if he's going to throw well. He doesn't have a lot of weapons either. He has a lot of running backs. But after that, it's just, you know, he doesn't really have a lot to work with. And so I just – I think I think I like the Ravens more. But even – that those teams are, like, really similar in the way they play or the way, like, things usually shake out because they do have a good defense. And then it just depends. Like, if Lamar's going to hit his guys, we know he's going to be able to run the ball. Or if – Philip Rivers is going to throw for 400 and have touchdowns or if he's going to throw for 400 and have interceptions. So yeah, like I, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm with you, Stone. And this is something that Drew and I talked about on Friday, that these two teams are very similar in the sense that their defenses will make plays and keep teams under wraps and that both offenses will struggle playing from behind. And I think that's really why the Ravens struggle against the Chiefs because of all that firepower they have. So I was very interested to see how this game would go when these two teams that I think are very similar in the way they want to do things go up against each other. And, yeah, I don't know, Drew. I'm not sold. I don't, I'm, no one is sold on Phillip Rivers. I just wish that the Colts had a better option at quarterback because I think it, things would just open up for them. With, dude, just, y'all had man. Sam Darnold, man. I'm, I really would feel good about y'all. I just wish they had a number one receiver. Like an actual guy, like, you know, if they had like a DeAndre Hopkins or something like that, obviously that's going to make any team good. But like even, I mean, Keenan Allen and Phillip Rivers had a great connection. They so don't even like, have a number one running back. 
Okay, Jordan well, Williams is getting the carries. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's a mixture of Taylor being hurt a little bit. You know, obviously the if if Mac was here, I don't think it would be that much different. But we've seen Mac be able to produce. Whereas I I, I don't know what the issue is with our run game because we do have a low yards per carry um, average. So you know it's kind of tough. But I think it's just because teams know we're going to run the ball, and they've seen that we our receivers are depleted. T.Y. is not the same anymore. You know, he's hurt right now, but even when he's there, he's not the same T.Y. we've seen in years past. So, um, no, it offensively, the Colts are in a very, very, very tough situation. And like I said, we're going to have to spend a lot of money and, and, and effort in the offensive side of the ball, um, at, least, at least on the receivers. Um, I think our tight ends are pretty good. I like Mo Ali Cox. He's a huge fan freaking dude who just catches a lot of things that go his way um so you like cox <laughs> yes. I like mo alley cox he's also a basketball player fun fact he played for vcu before he came to you, the nfl so you're you, what you're saying is you like mo cox I, I, you took the words right from me <laughs> pissed drew i think it's time to move on we need to um yeah we're talking about your team sign for stone's team uh, Stone, my worst of the weekend would probably be the fact that we finally get a Cowboy-Steelers matchup. We were not alive for the great, great Cowboy-Steelers matchups of the past with all the yeah. legends playing, and we finally get one again. We were supposed to have it in the Hall of Fame game, but that's the Hall of Fame game, whatever. And we finally get one of the regular season, and uh, it's in a year where the Cowboys are just abysmal. They are not good. So, uh, But they played them close yesterday. Stone, how are you feeling? I, I feel good about – the way the defense played, there were some iffy calls on Jalen Smith, who he's had a bad year. And he usually – it's weird when Van Der Esch is not playing, Jalen Smith basically isn't either. So when Van Der Esch is in, Smith plays a lot better. He's a lot more comfortable. I think a lot of the play calling is left up to Van Der Esch, and Smith just gets to go be an athlete and make plays. So he played better, but he had some weird calls against him late in the game. And – I hate to say this, but I think, Sandy, I think you're in the same boat as I am. I was rooting for us to lose. So we could, we could keep that, that top, the top five pick aspects alive. So um, I was rooting for the, for the loss, but I was happy that they played really well and it looked like we looked competent. But I think a lot of that is on the, on the Steelers, and I think Drew – would agree with me on this. The Steelers kind of played under their competition. And I think they are – Drew would say they're pretenders. I'm not going to say they're pretenders because they are undefeated. But they kind of played under their competition. And I can easily see a, a scenario in the playoffs where they just kind of – maybe not get routed, but they just get beat kind of badly. And everyone's like, well, this team's 14-2. and two. How did they lose this bad? Well, it's, I think it's pretty obvious. They're, they're pretty suspect with the corner at the corner position. And, but again, Minka Fitzpatrick was one of the best signings that or deals that was made. Just like Drew talked about Buckner, that's Minka's in the same, in the same boat, but I'm happy the way the Cowboys played and Garrett Gilbert, the AAF champion of the Orlando, whatever they were called. Apollos. Yes. They dude. He played really well and I was happy for him but I was rooting for the loss. Yeah, I'll Stone, say you need higher ambition, Stone, for a fellow tanker. You shouldn't be looking at top five. Keep your eyes on the prize. 
your eyes on the prize. You need higher ambitions. Number one pick. Number okay, two pick. Number, number one pick, we trade back and we pick Justin Fields. But we get hella capital. That's my outlook. My, my outlook on the, on the Steelers is I don't know how they weren't able to destroy the Cowboys via pass. Um, you know, they have four good receivers, two good, two pretty good tight ends in Ebron and, and McDaniel and Ben Roethlisberger, who's been playing pretty good all year. They ha- this is why I didn't think they were going to be – this is why I didn't think they were contenders. I put them in the pretenders. And I still have them there because, yes, they have beat the Browns, the Ravens, and the Titans. But as we're seeing, those three teams aren't as good as advertised. Um, so, I don't know. I, I don't put them in the category yet of the Seahawks. I know the Seahawks just got destroyed. But I don't put them in that category with the Seahawks, the, the Packers – even the Bucks and, of course, the Chiefs for sure. So they're still kind of lower end in that, in that case. Sandy, going into the season, I circled this game on the calendar. And I was like, this is going to be one of those all-time classic games. Cowboys are going to be good. Steelers are going to be good. It's going to be a – it's either going to be a barn burner where everybody's – it's, you know, big-time scoring and, the, and everything's close, or it's going to be one of those knockdown, drag-out games where, you know, it's a tough matchup and – you know, basically it comes down to a, either a field goal fest or you get a late touchdown and the final score is like 17 to 14, you know, something like that. And the Cowboys ruin that in typical fashion. Drew, hey. I think um, – oh, you want to say anything more about this game? I know you hate I have I have a quick, quick thing for Stone. In your opinion – does Tony Pollard need to get more touches? Yes, that's a easy yes. Okay. Yes, I, I've been I've been adamant about having both of them on the field because Pollard it was drafted as a wide receiver technically, mm-hmm. or he played a lot of wide receiver at Memphis, and they so that and then obviously he played running back as well. So I've been adamant about two back sets where you can you can run the option or you can run the screen game to either side or something like that, or, you know, have people think, well, well, Zeke's in, he's going to get the ball. So let's focus on Zeke. And then you give the ball to Pollard and he, I mean, he's electric, but he has electric speed. He has game changing speed. So if he, he's one of those guys, if he breaks one tackle, he might go to the crib. So I think we should, we should pound it with Zeke and then, do some more fancy plays with both of them on the field and get them both involved. 100%. All I was going to add was every time I see Pollard touch the ball, he's running for 10, 20 yards every single time. But, Sandy, let's move on to our next game, sir. Well, not just the next game, Drew. You In the preseason, we had a list of contenders and pretenders, and you had your list of pretenders. You had the Steelers on there. And I think y'all's concerns about the offense are definitely valid and legitimate. That defense is still decent, although Stone highlights their uh, them being sus at the cornerback position. But Drew, you also have the Bills on that list as being a uh, potential pretender. And they come out yesterday, and Josh Allen throws for 415 against the Seahawks, which maybe wouldn't surprise people. But uh, you are not buying into that Bills Mafia hype still, are you, sir? No, sir, because not more than, what, three, four weeks ago, they got blew out by the Tennessee Titans, who were still up in the air about whether we think they're a good team or not. So for the Bills, for me, it's more so 
they're very inconsistent defensively and offensively. Some weeks, Josh Allen and, and the offense go off. I think Diggs is the most consistent of the bunch. Um, but other than that, everyone else is kind of very inconsistent. One week, it's Zach Moss. One week, and now that could be scary, but I'm not – they don't put up the points, in my opinion, that scare me. And then defensively, they're supposed to be one of the – "Quote unquote best defenses in the in the league, and they're giving up points left and right. Teams are able to come back on them in the fourth quarter. There was a moment where I was like, "Oh shoot, it's another Rams 2.0. The Seahawks are about to come back and and potentially beat the Bills." Um, now they, I think Russ had four turnovers in this game, so you know obviously that wasn't um, you know good for the Seahawks. But I'm not sold on the Bills. Uh, I think similar to the Steelers, they're going to they're gonna make the playoffs. I think they're the best team in the AFC East. Uh, but that's not saying much because I think the Dolphins are almost right there with them. Um, but the Bills will probably come out of the East, and I see them losing in the first round of the playoffs. Well, let's, let's keep it in the AFC East real quick because the Miami Dolphins are 5-3 and three with Tua Tagovailoa making a second start at quarterback. Stone, how many touchdowns did he throw for yesterday? I think he, I think he had two uh, touchdowns. And how many yards did he throw for? Around two hundred. Okay, there we go. So it, it was a pretty good showing for him. Yeah, Drew. I think right now the Bills are still your presumptive favorite to win the AFC East. But dude, the Dolphins are making things pretty interesting, and the Cardinals were getting back on track to where people were being, they were excited about Kyler Murray and and the trajectory of the Arizona Cardinals, but. The Dolphins come out yesterday and get a massive win and squelch a little bit of that hype for the Cardinals and just continue to rack up these victories. You know, you kind of saw this last year with the Dolphins that they were picking up steam near the end of the year. And you're thinking, man, Brian Flores has these guys on track that they're moving in a good direction. And here they are at five and three. Dude, who knows? Uh-oh, Drew, you have concerns? No, I, I'm, I'm all in on this Dolphins bandwagon. They potentially – the only the only team that I'm like, okay, this is the team they're going to lose to is the Chiefs. This is who they play the rest of the season. Next up, they play the Chargers. Then they play the Broncos. Then they play the Jets. Then they play the Bengals. Then they play the Chiefs. Then they play the Pats. Then the Raiders. And they finish off with the Bills. They could potentially only lose one more game that I'm certain of. Hey, boom, done. Hey, the the this is a this is a done deal for the for the Dolphins. I think other than that, they have a real chance, especially because the next four games are potential cakewalks for the Dolphins the way they've been playing about uh, on the defensive side of the ball. That's what I'm more excited about is their defense is great. I, mean, we, I don't know how else to put it. We may get we may get double digit win Dolphins. Yeah. So ten and six looks realistic right now. Mm-hmm. Lose. Lose three more – basically just do this with record they have right now all over again. That looks really realistic. Here's what I would say about the Dolphins. Okay, they're, they're obviously a lot better than Arkansas. But in a way, to me, they're kind of similar in the sense that, Stone, they're just good football teams. The Dolphins are just a well-coached, disciplined football team. And, and they, do the, they do everything good. They may not do things great but they yeah. do everything good. So to me, that does make them very dangerous when they play the Buffalo Bills. I can, they will get victories against the Jets, and I would say they are a better team than the New England Patriots. So, dude, why not, man? And then you have this athlete at quarterback now, which late in the game yesterday, he made a great scramble play and 
you know, broke through and gained like 15 yards and they haven't had that in a while uh, or potentially ever since, you know, we've been growing up and watching them with, uh, with uh, them having Chad Henney and Chad Pennington and, and, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick as a recent. So I, I don't know when the last time they had a great quarterback was. Stone, all I have to say is Ryan Fitzmagic led the Dolphins last year in rushing yards because he was the most consistent running back for them. So That's he horrible. is a running quarterback at That's heart. Horrible. Let's, let's keep it in the AFC East. We got to talk about Sandy's well, New England Patriots. Drew, speaking of teams that suck before we get to the Jets and the Patriots, one thing, one more thing I want to say about the Dolphins is there are two teams that Miami fans go into Sunday just rooting their hearts out for. The Dolphins and whoever's playing the Texans. Can you imagine this team sneaking into the playoffs and still having a top three pick, which is not out of the question? I mean, they go to bed every night praying that Deshaun Watson has a two-interception game because he's the only reason why they wouldn't have the number, a top three pick. Um, So They they barely beat, barely, by the hair of their chin, barely beat Jacksonville yesterday. So I think the final score is 27 to 25. So they are – I mean, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm kind of going crazy because you got Tua and Tua's playing well. He looks good. He looks comfortable. And then, yeah, like you said, you potentially have this top five pick. Yeah, um, you know, Drew, yeah, we'll get to the Patriots now. They ripped my heart out because, Drew, I'd always been saying in the fifth round is where you get Jake Fromm, where is where the Patriots should get Jake Fromm. Instead, they drafted a kicker from Marshall who ends up having a three-percenter tattoo on his arm. And for a variety of reasons, probably that being one of them, he gets cut in preseason. So our fifth-round draft pick is a waste. And then the Jaguars go and take the quarterback that I really deep down wanted was Jake Lutton out of Oregon State. And he freaking goes deep on the first drive of the game for the Jacksonville Jaguars and scores a touchdown. So that, that just hurt in so many ways I want to find dude goes 26 of 38 for 304 yards with a very bad team I I was very high on Jake Lutton so I was upset but yes all of us know what we're getting into tonight with this dumpster fire that is the New England Patriots and the New York Jets so I won't waste time telling y'all things you already know other than these are the two worst rosters in the NFL and Mekhi Becton might be my favorite player to watch besides Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert of these rookies. Cause that dude is taking NFL veterans and making them look silly as a rookie. That dude is a very, very good football player. He's fun to watch and Chase Winovich will be up against it tonight, but uh, credit to the jets for sitting Sam Darnold. They will say it will be a, for a variety of factors, but really what this is, is they are, pl- they are testing our hand. They are putting their worst team out there, so it's up to us to put our worst team out there because we have got to lose this game, man. I am all in on this tank train. You can't give the Jets another loss. we got to find a way to tank. So, oh, man, how, how are we here? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to hear it, Mr. freaking 18 Super Bowls in 18 years. Yeah, exactly. Sandy, I, I, I know we're about to get to the, the Sunday night football game, but I don't know if you saw this stat. Tom Brady went 19 seasons not ever getting swept by a division opponent until last night because they lost to the Saints twice this year. I mean, it's the Saints. He wasn't and, playing and the, I, the Saints. I, I saw a meme. You know the meme of the of the Wolverine guy holding the picture? Yeah. 
and it was like it was him touching all the AFC East opponents. Tom Brady definitely <laughs> misses playing against the AFC East for sure. It's amazing, AFC. you know. They always tell you not to take things for granted, but really, like the AFC East was always for granted every single year. You already went into it thinking, "All right, our first worry is who we're going to see after our first round bye." That's what it is. And now <laughs> the only worry is, "All right, it's not first round bye; it's first round pick." <laughs> so. It's amazing. But yeah, Drew, I want to get to the um, that Bucks and Saints game real quick. I do want to mention this about the Chiefs yesterday with the Panthers because in, in one side you have the NFC East and we felt pretty good about the Buccaneers and the Seahawks. Both of them lose yesterday. The Chiefs win, but they're playing one of the lesser teams in the NFL, although albeit a team that looks pretty promising, the Carolina Panthers, they don't look good. So I just found that interesting juxtaposition there between these, these uh, pretty solid teams. But dude. Drew, what the hell happened last night? I, I I was I was at a practice and when I came back it was twenty one to zero, and I was like what? And then they just looked. You could tell like the Bucks just looked like dead for some reason. You know, you would think the addition of Antonio Brown and them playing well the last two three weeks that they would come in and and have some energy. I mean, they scored three points three points and defensively they could not stop the saints so i mean it, it definitely is scary but the saints are one of those teams where it, it's a loss to a really good team i don't think this is like gonna make me think oh the buccaneers are they're still my super bowl favorite to come out of the nfc even after losing this game just because i think defensively they're they're gonna be fine and i think offensively you we saw them struggle at the beginning of the year when they had the addition of all the new people you bring on Antonio Brown, who is a big personality, kind of a locker room presence. You know, he might've shooken up some things day one, who knows uh, with everything we've been hearing about Antonio Brown the last two years. Um, he's definitely not a good locker room person to have. So he could have shaken up some things. Um, you know, this might be an instance where there could be too many mouths to feed as well I could see that being a problem in, in Tampa but that's also a good problem to have I feel like um, whereas the Colts don't have that problem we have no mouths to feed and our quarterback sucks but I don't know that it was a surprise but at the same time the Saints are such a good football team defensively they're starting to come together now the addition of Malcolm Jenkins um, he's he's finally comfortable in that scheme and you can see that they're flying around on defense Marcus Lattimore is a shutdown corner for real um, and they were getting after Tom Brady on the uh, in the second half defensively. So I'm just saying both teams in the NC South have a real shot to make it to the to the Super Bowl this year. Well, I think what we saw yesterday was not reflective of the Buccaneers' talent on the outside at receiver and the weapons they have. It's to me what we saw last night from the Buccaneers was not about AB. It's not about who they added. It's about who they lost. Ali Marpet being gone from at left guard killed them last night. So Brady has always been really good with pocket awareness. You know, he's really good at stepping up in the pocket when the outside, you know, when you have the rushers coming from the outside. He's always been really good about that. Pocket awareness comes down to two things. It's knowing what's going on around you and then doing, being able to do something about it. Brady knew what was going on around him, but you can't do anything about it when that interior pressure is coming in right in his face and he's being pressured all night. So it really came down to the Saints – that interior defensive line and the, the, the ends as well, the pass rushers, man, I mean, they, they were in his face all night. They couldn't allow him to get to his, his best point to throw the ball. They just disrupted everything the Bucks wanted to do on offense. So 
I think that's really where the Saints won this game. But, I mean, you got to mention Drew Brees as well. And that offense, they were clicking last night. I mean, they, you know, we talk about Drew Brees losing a lot of that steam off his arm. Not that he's ever had a ton of steam, but losing a little bit. And be, only being able to play well in domes or in, in good weather, it was a – it was a precursor to a storm. We've got a tropical storm that's coming in. The man's throwing in 15-mile-per-hour wind in the rain, and he's, he's doing really well. So I think the Saints came out and probably had an axe to grind with the Buccaneers after, you know, playing some close games. And, and they've set themselves up beautifully for the playoffs now with a sweep of the Buccaneers. And um, I, I think that's really what you saw last night with the Saints is being able to get to Brady – and that pressure. And then, so the defense puts that offense in really good positions and the offense takes care of things. It was a total team effort. And um, yeah, just not a good night for the Buccaneers, man. They, they need Allie Marpet if they're going to do anything. That's, that's where I stand about it. But uh, I, Brady is not missing any of the Patriots wide receivers, man. <laughs> I mean, you think he's going to do any better with Demir Bird and Isaiah Ford that we just picked up from the Dolphins? Hell no. Hell no. Um, Drew, talking about the Patriots has me sad. So I think it's time we move away from the NFL. And like I said, this was going to be a college-heavy show. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick ad timeout, and we're going to tell you all about our friends at Anchor.fm about how you can create your very own podcast. All right, college football time. We will get to Drew in just a second so he can uh, rub it in our face, the, the biggest win in – recent memory for Notre Dame obviously but before we do that real quick I want to shout out three non-power five quarterbacks that I think have been excellent this year um, Shane Bouchel at SMU had a really good day yesterday he's had a really good season Zach Wilson's getting a lot of hype right now out of BYU people are talking about him being a raising his draft stock quite a bit recently and then this guy I watched him play his first couple games in the beginning of the year, this kid Grant Wells at Marshall, he's a freshman. Dude, this kid can flat out play. And I really wish there was an alternative universe where we could see all these teams come together and play. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before the show. And just such good quarterback play outside of the uh, Power Five. And I just love watching these guys play. But, uh, Drew, the floor is yours, sir. Hey, what did I tell you guys last week? We have a chance with Trevor being out. Boys and girls, the first time since Stone told me 1988 that a number one team has come into Notre Dame and we've come out with a victory. It's the first victory for Brian Kelly, I believe, against a top team in the nation since he's been at Notre Dame. I believe before then he was 0 of 10. He was. Or maybe like yeah. a top – it was maybe like a top five. So, hey, I was ecstatic. Now, there will be a – coronavirus uh epidemic in Notre Dame because they stormed the field but it is worth it because boys and girls we just took down a team that I don't think anyone thought was going to lose this year now do not get me wrong Trevor Lawrence plays this game we definitely lose that game um now I the freshman for Clemson you know with the new rules of I, I believe it's what freshmen can play four games now without losing their um red shirt no, this season he doesn't it doesn't matter oh I guess that's true yeah so he's going to terrorize the college football world for the next three years. But, hey, it's all about the Notre Dame boys. The Fighting Irish came in. They looked very, very strong in the first half, especially the first quarter. You know, I was very scared that we were able to go down in the – I believe in like one of the – you know, two of the first three drives or whatever. We kicked two field goals. 
I said, we got to score to beat Clemson. I almost wanted them to go forward on fourth and goal or fourth and whatever, just so that we could get points on the board, uh, like six points, not three, because Clemson was able to come down, take the lead 14-3 or 14-13, excuse me. Um, but, hey, it was a dogfight. We came back. We won the game, double overtime. We got after the quarterback in the second overtime. I loved it. Awesome. Um, I w- it was probably one of the first games in a while that I've been, like, very ecstatic during the overtime, during the end of the game. Usually I sit back and I relax and I watch, but I was on the edge of the seat the entire game, especially the second half, just because I was like, hey, you know, th- this this is a make-or-break game for us this year. Uh, like I told everyone, we're, we're coming to ACC one year and we're coming out with a victory. We're taking the ACC title home with us and never letting it go again because we won't be back next year, boys. I promise you, boys, we're taking it this year. Ian Book looked competent. He really killed Clemson with his legs. He wasn't able to kill him really with, with his arm, but he would he would go back to pass, be able to scramble and get a bunch of yards with his legs. They were able to stop the run game against us. A victory is a victory. Defense played well. Um, I know we got torched by their quarterback, though, but we played well enough to win the game, and that's all that matters is that we won the game. So I'm, I'm super happy. Uh, we're number two in the country, boys. We're number two in the country. Hey, Drew, your boy Kyron Williams is one of my favorite players to watch. I remember watching him early in the season, and I, there may have been a show that I mentioned him. I probably didn't mm-hmm. mention him by name. But he reminds me of – he legit reminds me of Austin Eckler. Like, that's – when I watch him play, like, that's who I think I'm watching. So, I think the way the NFL is going right now, he may not be a first or second round pick or even a third round pick. Who knows how that's going to play out for his career. He's only a sophomore. But as a, as a person that watches the NFL, I think he would fit in the NFL so well right now. He's a smaller guy, but he does everything. And he can roll. Like, that dude can run. And with a, with a genius system, like maybe like a Joe Brady or something mm-hmm. like that, I think he would be used really well. He is really fun to watch. I actually am not a, I'm not a fan of Notre Dame, but wh- I love watching him. He's fun to watch. I'm just confused here. Drew was saying there's no way they win if Trevor Lawrence is playing. And now he's saying they're definitely going to win the ACC championship when they will have to play Trevor Lawrence. So I'm not confused. That logic is kind of confusing me here, but I mean, hey. They put themselves in a good position, definitely. I was saying we we now we have the momentum. Okay. Now we got the momentum. We no, no, we no, have Clem- that under our belts. Clemson definitely has. This is the first time where they've actually really been like they have some motivation. Um, so that'll be interesting to see when they meet again. Uh, Stone, I guess real quick, we gotta. I'll let you take the floor because our team won too. Yeah, and. For the last couple of years, going down thirteen nothing and half, uh, it's over. He would, yeah, it's over. No, no chance. But this team came out ready to go in the second half. Basically, knocked their quarterback out, and then they had to do a bunch of random stuff with their with their backups. They didn't really know who was the right fit. They played a true freshman for a couple of drives. Basically, uh, didn't really do anything with it. Uh, our, our defense is legit, and we say it every week. And my hope from this season is that Barry Odom doesn't leave. Oh, gosh. Now, 
I know that Pittman would be able to find somebody that's really good just because he seems like that type of guy that people kind of want to play for or coach with. And um, I saw I wouldn't really be like too upset about it, but Barry Odom has definitely changed our mindset. Yeah. One thing I would say about this defense is, and and I may be leaving some guys off, so I hope they wouldn't take offense to this, but we have five guys who legitimately could be all SEC players with Catalan, Grant Morgan, Bumper Pool, Jonathan Marshall, and Julian Coates. Those guys are are studs, and they really could be all SEC defensive players. And who would have thought that last year coming from a defense that was just so bad? I'm not going to say that we would have won the game if Catalan plays. But you are. Against, Tam, against Texas A&M. But you uh, are going to say it. But we w- it would be – it would have been a different game. He means that much to our defense because if you saw early in the game, we were not – playing the run well at all I don't know their running backs name Tennessee's it's gray it's something gray pretty good um he's yeah he's really good and he was carving us up and it was a little bit of scheme things but if you watched if you actually really watched Catalan made so many tackles that I mean he just was there like he would just show up like there would be so much space and then he just he just closed all the space down and made open open field tackles. So he is really, really good. I don't know what year he is. I feel like he's a freshman. Red, I think he's a redshirt freshman. He's a redshirt freshman. Okay. So he I know he was a four star. He picked us, you know, a couple years ago. And yeah, he's uh he's the truth, man. And I think he had he had another interception. So he the dude is a game changer, a playmaker. A dog. I definitely think he will be all SEC, potentially all American. That's where we're. That's what we're looking at with him. Yeah. One last thing I want to say about this game, Stone, is I'm a Spanish guy. I'm not an Italian guy. I think Garantano in Italian means guaranteed to lose. I'm not mm. entirely sure, but yeah, mm. I thought I thought you'd like that. There's a mm. big thumbs down from Drew. Drew, don't thumbs down because we're heading back to your birthplace, your neck of the woods, Bloomington, Indiana, dude. The Indiana Fighting Hoosiers, they're not just the Hoosiers, they're the Fighting Hoosiers, put a smackdown on Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines, further burying Jim Harbaugh's job status into the dirt. Um, I I wanted to talk about this game more from the Michigan side of it because this is – whatever you thought the worst-case scenario was for Michigan going into the season, it probably is going to be worse than we all thought it was going to be. So – but, Drew, I'll let you take a victory lap. They're not your team. We don't allow you to claim Indiana. But you are from Indiana, so you can kind of give us a feeling about how that state's probably feeling right now. Uh, I mean, probably great because I don't remember the last time in my lifetime, now I'd have to ask my father, when we had two teams that are going to be ranked in the top ten. Um, or are, I don't know if they're – I don't know if I use in the top ten or not off the top of my they're head. They're 13, but, but they'll probably move up. Well, yeah, that, yeah so – They'll, they'll probably move up the top 10, especially being another ranked opponent, where we had two teams in Indiana ranked in the top 10 in college football. Now, we usually have it in, in basketball, basketball with, with Purdue and IU and sometimes Notre Dame. But college football, you know, I, I watched a good chunk of this game, and IU on offense can do it all. They can throw the ball. They can run the ball. Like, it, it is surprising to see a team that a couple of years ago was Rutgers – what they are now where they were just kind of a cakewalk um you know iu and football 
we had we would have a couple of good games here and there, but we actually look like I shouldn't say we IU looks more like they are gonna make a make a run in the Big Ten now. Obviously, when they face Ohio State, they're gonna get you know beat. I don't think anyone's beating Ohio State in the Big Ten, but um, I mean, there's a chance right now that IU is the second best team in in the Big Ten. You know, I I definitely think Wisconsin is is probably better, but because of their COVID stuff, we've only seen them week one week. And I mean, I'm willing to to go on that limb for IU and and say that there's there's a chance they are the second best team in the Big Ten right now. There might be, and they'll get a chance to prove it for sure. Um, we were talking about good quarterback play earlier, dude. We cannot forget about Michael Pen- Michael Penix, not Michael Penis, Michael Penix Jr. That guy can play, man. He, he can do it with his feet. He can do it with his arms. So, definitely promising things for Indiana on that front. But Stone, I know I'm going to give you a chance to simp over your. Uh, we're talking about good quarterback play. There's a quarterback down in Florida who's doing pretty well right now, with a uh, the king. Oh, um, 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 yes. Yeah, he's really good. So, there's two quarterbacks really in in Florida right now that are crushing it. And the problem for De'Aaron King is that Kyle Trask is, you know, he's he's in the SEC. They're undefeated. Or, no, they lost to Texas A&M. But, but they're basically putting up astronomical numbers. And it's overshadowing De'Aaron King – who is also doing a really good job. And if it wasn't for them getting blown out, basically, by Clemson, people would be talking about Miami more. But maybe they need to kind of stay under the radar. But Derek King had a great game this weekend. He uses legs. He uses arms. He did everything for that team. He seems like he does everything for that team every week. He rushed for over 100. I think he had over – he had close to 400 passing. As when well. you say he did everything, he literally did do everything. He had 535 scrimmage yards. So, exactly. So, he is really good. He's getting overshadowed because Trask and that Clemson and Notre Dame are kind of have taken over the ACC this year. So, I, I'm, I've been watching him closely. I'm, I'm a little bit of a Miami fan because I watched all those. Uh, it was 30 for 30s, and it got me kind of hooked. So, I'm a, I'm a fan of theirs because of that. So, them having De'Aaron King, though, has kind of changed everything because they haven't had a great quarterback in a while. So, I'm, I'm really – I'm just going to keep watching him, and I hope that he keeps doing the same stuff because he's going to get drafted. I don't know who's going to take him as a quarterback or if they'll try to put him as an athlete, but he is a good player. Uh, before we're going to stay in Florida, but real quick, I want to shout out Michigan State for getting a uh, program-defining win in Ann Arbor and then getting blown out by Iowa the week after. So just to pile on Mason Doers, Michigan State Spartans. But let's keep it in the state of Florida because, uh, Stone, I thought Georgia and Florida would keep it pretty close. I thought Georgia would prevail, and uh, it was anything but. Florida just, after going down 14 nothing, put it on Georgia. Yeah, I was shocked that. The game started the way – because we do a pick them every week, and I picked Florida, and I put – like we do 20 games, and I put 18 of the of the biggest – you know, 18 is the third highest points you can put on, on, on a team for the confidence points. So, I put a lot on Florida. I expected because the – because the, it was basically a pick them for me because I think the line was like three and a half or something like that. So, I went with – I went with Florida, put a lot on Florida. 
I did. I knew that Georgia had some people out, and they were having a little bit of quarterback issues with with Bennett. A little bit of confidence issues there, and I think they had a wide receiver out, uh, Pickens or mm-hmm. something like that. So, I, I'm just I was shocked that it just turned into the game that it turned into, especially with Georgia jumping up fourteen nothing, and then I like turned the game off basically, and I looked at my phone, and all of a sudden it was twenty one to fourteen, and I was like, what's happening? Like, how is this game this close all of a sudden? And then, again, you, you, you watch it more and you just see that Georgia just didn't have the fight. And uh, Dan Mullins is a great coach. And I saw a stat yesterday that through their first 30 games or something like that, he and Steve Spurrier had the exact same record. So I think Dan Mullins, uh, I think he was a good good hire. And I know he had been at Florida before, but – I think we all knew he was a good coach. It was just he was in Mississippi State, and you just don't get a lot at Mississippi State. Is it is it time to say that Florida is back? I'm not. No, I don't, I don't no, want to put that no, burden no, on him. No, don't don't do this no. with programs that don't have a storied history consistently throughout years. Tennessee should never say they're back. Florida had some really good years with Urban Meyer, and then. What the hell is that? When Spurrier was playing, great. When Spurrier was coaching, great. Where the hell was Florida before that and after that? They were nowhere. So, no, Florida's not back. Is Florida good now? Yes. I love the Dan Mullen hire because he's a disciple of Urban Meyer. He's pretty much been not – he's been – he learned from Urban Meyer, and now he's got his own job. Stone's right. He didn't have the weapons at Mississippi State that he now has at Florida – Florida could be a great program under Dan Mullen. The trick is to secure Florida because Florida State sucks right now, and Miami's going to hit or miss in recruiting. Florida can dominate recruiting, keep those kids in. Dan Mullen is an offensive – I love what he does on offense. Yeah, Florida can be very promising. But, no, Florida's not back because they never were, okay? They had some great years. They have potential, but they haven't executed it the way they should. But, yes, Drew, I am very high on Florida, and it just so happens that the – Gators will be hosting our Arkansas Razorbacks this Saturday. And the line is – the spread's at uh, 17 right now. So Scary times. That'll be interesting. Of the but one – Of the game Franks reunion won't cover, it'll be this one. Yeah. I, I, Drew, I'm glad you mentioned Florida, though, being back because the – with Notre Dame winning, beating Clemson, I thought if Clemson beat Notre Dame, that would essentially – in Notre Dame's challenge for the playoff, they would have had to beat Clemson again in the ACC championship just to be considered. And even then, I didn't think they'd get in. But now, Notre Dame is a legitimate threat for that four spot. So, you're looking at Alabama, Ohio State. Right now, you put Notre Dame in there. But, I mean, how can you leave Clemson out if they beat Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence? So, it's kind of like it's Clemson slash Notre Dame for that third spot. Hey, there's a team. I know you guys don't want to hear this, but there's a team that – is near and dear to my heart now because of my significant other. The Aggies have a real shot to be that 14 to sneak in. I was going to bring a, them up. They have a real shot. That, they don't have a tough schedule the rest of the way. They've already beat Florida, and if Florida you know, continues it, they just beat Georgia, it looks a lot better. A&M is a real threat to be that fourth team in, but they also could be the fifth, sixth team looking, looking uh, That's out. my thing is Florida and A&M are the two greatest proponents. Like if no, whoever gets left out between Notre Dame and Clemson, 
if they get if one of them gets left out, those teams with A and M and Georgia A and M and Florida would be the teams that are the reason why we should have had an expanded playoff because these are good teams. Florida's mm-hmm. a very good football team. A and M for this year, for whatever reason, are a very solid football team in my opinion. You get blown out in uh, Tuscaloosa, but that's Alabama. So I think a is a very good football team. And, yeah, I'm with you, Drew. I, they should win out. If they keep playing the way they are, they will win out because they are the best team of the teams they have left to play. So they, their yeah. only thing is they will need – They need Bama to win out. They would I, need Alabama to beat Florida in the SEC championship game. So that, that would end Florida's reign. But, yeah, I think A&M and Florida are the second and third best teams in the SEC right now for sure. Of their last four games, I think the only team that really gives them an issue – I'm not even going to say Auburn. No, <laughs> that's our last game. Auburn's ranked right now, whatever. It's like a maybe. I think Ole Miss, Ole Miss is like the only team that potentially could scare them because Ole Miss can put up points. And that's like the only, that's like the only team I would say of their last four. They play LSU, LSU, we don't, no one knows about that LSU. team right now. They are, other than they have the worst defense. So they play Tennessee this next week. And then Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is the only team that's going to give them issues. I'm not even going to put Auburn up there because I feel like A&M will have something figured out for them, and they're probably already planning for them. And I, I'll tell you what it is. It's make Bo Nix throw the ball. If you make Bo Nix throw the ball and not use his legs, you're going to win. Hey, and by the way, before this season, obviously one of the games that everyone had circled was going to be Alabama-LSU. Well, they play this weekend – the uh, does anyone Stone don't answer yet because you might have looked at the spreads. Drew, what do you think the spread is on that game? Where's it being played at, Bama or LSU? I think it's Death Valley. I'm not sure though. Let me check. D- double check for me on that because that'll that'll swing it by like a couple points. Not it is much. Death Valley. It's in Death Valley. Ooh, the spread as of right now. Stone, have you seen it? I just looked at it. Yeah. Oh, I want to. I'll, I'll let Drew have this. I want to say it's. I want to say it's in the thirties. Oh God, no! That's what I was gonna no. say. I was gonna say the thirties, just because. so then it's it's probably like twenty five, twenty eight. Wow, wow! He got yeah, twenty five. Uh, it was twenty four as a, like I checked a minute ago, and it was twenty four. Now it's twenty five. So there's getting a lot of action on that game early. That's why. That's why I thought it might have been in the thirties, just because they've been that bad. Yes. Yeah, they've been that bad, and, and Bama's been scoring so many points. I was gonna but, say. I honestly was gonna say thirty one and a half. That's what yeah. I was going to say. I That's was leaning surreal. towards 30 to 30 to 31. Um, if it was at home, though, if they were playing in Bama, I, w- I would bet you'd be 30. Yeah. It'll probably be close because, for whatever reason, because LSU will finally figure well, out. I mean, how to they, 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 Bama did lose Waddle, but they, they still have, have so many guys. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And they can lean on the run game, too, which is crazy to think about that Bama's now a run second team. I feel like we haven't talked about Matt Jones in a while. Dude. He's, he's still the truth, man. Yeah, they had a bye this week, but uh, they definitely blew out the bye. Yes. Matt Jones and Kyle Trask are the guys that you're looking at, and Matt Jones hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't put a wrong step forward, wrong foot forward. I mean, it's – man, we'll see. Talking about him – I've seen reports he's he's the Heisman favorite as of right now. Do you guys believe that he, as of right now, would win would win the Heisman if the season were to end today? 
Yeah, Here's I would, the problem. I would probably pick him. Yeah, the problem with him and Justin Fields is Fields is only going to have eight games of stats if they play yeah. eight games. Mac Jones will have ten. Mm-hmm. So if if you have to weigh that against each other, you have to factor that into the consideration. Like handicap Fields' score. I mean, so Mac Jones is certainly a Heisman finalist. Absolutely. If I'm if I'm Fields, I'm blaming my conference for being indecisive. Because when they made the decision to not play when everybody else was, they didn't actually make the decision. Because if they actually made that decision, then they wouldn't have played. So I would be mad at my conference if it came down to, you know, basically Jones or whoever, like if, if Fields was definitely the second guy. It, I would be mad at the conference for not giving me the amount of games that you should have given me. No, I thought Trevor Lawrence, if he had played all these games, would be in there, but you, you missed two games. It's almost like he would have gotten a Lifetime Achievement Award in the, in the form of the Heisman Trophy. Like, you know, you have this generational player. He needs to win a Heisman just because, kind of like, well, Tebow won it twice, didn't he? So, I mean. I know he he could still, Why Lawrence, could, Lawrence could still win it if he comes out these next games. He missed two games. games. I don't think they'll give it to him for that. Yeah, I don't if, think so either. If he plays like he did against what Georgia Tech and has games like that, he could well, still win. Those it. are outliers, though. don't they? They they, they whatever that was sixty seven well, to three. They That's give like, the trophy out the week after the championship games. He would mm-hmm. have to go out against Notre Dame and throw for like four hundred, I think, to even be considered. Yeah, it's not his fault, but it it's the reality of the situation. Just like Justin Fields missing two games. Exactly, and if the only way that it gets it gets back on track for you know Fields and and Lawrence is if the same thing happens to Trask or Jones because I don't think I don't like King. I think King is in the conversation as well, but he's, but exact. That's what I'm saying is like, he should be there, but he's never, he's not going to be there. But he, he, he would have been there if they didn't play Clemson already and they yeah. had lost. Yeah. No, I, no, and I think that sucks because the Heisman and the MVP for NFL and everything has turned into what player has the best season on the best team instead of what player has the best overall season. Cause like you said, King's yeah. been having a great year overall, but he doesn't play on the best team. Um, and so that, that's where I think like it has kind of turned in the last couple of years is instead of just being the best overall player that year, it's the best player on the best team. Yeah. And, and so it's that's like why Chuba, Chuba last year, everyone was calling for him to get the Heisman. He did get some good votes and everything, mm-hmm. but it was, he was never going to win it. Exactly. I'll give you guys Mac Jones' stat line for the season so far through six games. 16 touchdowns, two picks. That's an 8-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio with four yards shy of 2,200 yards through six games. 2,200 yards. So he's, gonna, he's easily going to throw for 3,000. He might throw for 3,000 against LSU. <laughs> I mean, that's – I think they because – They are insane. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Bama – I'm so tired that it's always quarterbacks that win these awards. Yeah, that's it, and it's so played out at this point because that's all it's and it's turned into it's the media's fault mm-hmm. because you have a bunch of media members who aren't football players and don't look at all the other, which we're doing the same thing. We're talking about the quarterbacks too, but yeah. I mean those are just the stats that are always in your face. That's the only stats you see, like Kyron Will Williams or. He could he could be having a crazy year, and because he's not a quarterback, people would kind of put him on the back burner. And I totally get it. It's because like it's a mix of 
their stat lines are important because they're touching the ball every play. But also you have the NFL guys that are coming in and saying, well, they're doing their mock drafts and everything. So that's what people are paying attention to as well. And you're seeing them put all these quarterbacks in the top 10 or the top 20. So that's what's getting looked at as well. Whereas like a few years ago when, when Sue was playing, which I say a few years ago, it's like a decade ago now. Yeah. When Sue was playing, he had stat lines by himself that were better than like all the teams in the big 12 and all the, like, and all the, like the Heisman winners that year, like they did his stats defensively against the Heisman winners defense defenses and his stats were better than theirs. So it's like he was thought of and he was talked about, but he was never going to get up on that stage because he's a defensive guy and it just doesn't matter. He doesn't put up the big numbers. He doesn't score the points. That's what we're worried about is points. So you got a quarterback that's throwing for a lot of yards and scoring points, then yeah. that's who's going to get looked at. Devonta Smith, just shy of 800 yards receiving. Now, I hate to go back to the Alabama, the Blue Bloods, but, I mean, that's – Alabama does put up big numbers. And it, it is a popularity contest. We go off the numbers. It's sensationalized, the numbers are, but Definitely. that's just the reality. Because I thought Christian McCaffrey should have won the Heisman Trophy when he was playing. I thought he was phenomenal. But the Heisman is interpreted – differently by so many people that we don't really have an understanding as to who deserves it, who, you know, who's the best man for it. But that's just, I guess it's up to us to become voters so we can speak our mind in the Heisman race. We just got to get a different perspective in there. They need more defensive guys on the voting. More offensive linemen, sir. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How about that? A kicker or an offensive lineman winning the Heisman. Yeah. More kickers, more punters, more offensive linemen, more fullbacks. Always more fullbacks. A couple, you know, Drew, obviously you guys you guys play Boston College this weekend, so hopefully you get to stay on track, stay undefeated. And as we mentioned, Arkansas gets Florida, uh, Alabama, LSU, but that's not really a big game. So not many huge games this weekend, but it'll be a ton of fun. But I guess we'll, uh, we'll leave it there for our talk on college football. But before we move on to soccer, we're going to take another timeout to hear from Anchor.fm about how you can create your very own podcast and talk about college football like we just did and hopefully talk good about the Arkansas Razorbacks. All right, Drew, we are back. It's just the two of us. Don't have to go to work because he's a working man, a responsible man, a family man, some would say. I I don't know. But uh, we're talking Premier League today. And, uh, dude, (laughs) the Premier League is probably the hardest to talk about of the leagues that we talk about on this show because – this year has been like no other. It's all up in the air. Um, Leicester and Tottenham sit top of the table, uh, really because of goal differential for Tottenham because Liverpool are tied on points, but eight behind on goal differential. Southampton in the top four. Villa in the top six. Everton and Palace in the top seven. City in 10th. United at 14th. Sheffield bottom of the table on 20 with one point. So it's like this is a weird year. Um, our two teams drew face each other this weekend, Sheffield and Chelsea, and it went the way of my Blues. Even though Sheffield got a uh, pretty nice goal, uh, David McGoldrick uh, putting the blades up one nil off a really well worked corner. I think it was probably worked on. It wasn't just random. I think it was probably worked on in the training ground, which is impressive because that was something. But um, and the wheels kind of fell off after that, Drew. Yeah, I didn't watch. I, I saw that they had scored, but I was doing. I think I was doing schoolwork. And then I came back, was able to watch a good chunk of the second half. And probably after a couple minutes after I turned it on, um, 
it was a it was a bloodbath from there on, then on out. Uh, Chelsea was able to score three pretty quick goals on us, and um, obviously Sheffield, just like we've talked about with the Colts, the Ravens, other teams, uh, they do not like to play from behind. They cannot really play from behind because we do not have much offensive firepower. So once we went up one one zero, Sheffield's best case scenario is to keep it at one zero, if not try to keep it at two zero if they can get another goal in. But it's payback from last year, or I guess not really last year, but from um, Project Restart because we beat Chelsea 3-0 in that, and they came out and stomped us 4-1. So, and we've been talking about this for weeks now. Sheffield is in some real, real danger. Um, This week, West Ham obviously do not see us beating West Ham. West Ham has been playing pretty good all year. Uh, they're middle of the table. But the following week, we play West Brom. That's a, that's a chance for us to steal some points, some points we really desperately need because the bottom of the table is Fulham, West Brom, Burnley, and ourselves at the bottom. Yep. And with Sheffield, it was I was playing the waiting game like we do with the Cleveland Browns where they have the pieces and you're just waiting on them to be good and be consistent. And – I was hanging on to last year's vibes with Sheffield when they finished ninth and could have finished higher. It went for a really bad run of form uh, in project restart, but man, you're right, Drew, they can't score <laughs> and it's going to be very tough for them, you know, sitting on one point through eight games. Oh man. I, I we said sound the alarm and then we said, okay, maybe turn the alarm off or at least mute the alarm. The alarm's back on for Sheffield. Yeah, hell, we're we're in decon decon one, whatever they call it. Yeah, we're decon two right now because it's it's not looking good. You know, McGoldrick has been the bright spot so far this year. He's hit a couple of nice goals, and that's not good. And that's not good. Yeah, McGoldrick is not is not one of our star players. You know, but the addition of Brewster, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, allowing him to get to get com- more comfortable with with the lads. Um, Maybe that'll maybe that'll turn some things because he he looks like he's a bright spot. I like the the move of Stevens to to center back, allowing for Osborne. And I think this week we started low uh, at left wing back. It just allows for us to be a little bit faster. Uh, having O'Connell and Stevens in that back is not great. You know, I love Basham; he's awesome as well. As well, Edon, I don't, I don't. He's not my favorite, but. No. You know, we're we're just not – we're just not there. Uh, we don't have the same oomph, I guess, as we did last year. I think the problem with Sheffield is you have a bunch of guys who are punching above their weight. Individually, they're not great. They have some – I like Xander Berger mm-hmm. and I actually kind of like John Fleck. Max Lowe is a good player. I don't – we'll see how he fits because he's normally a traditional left fullback as opposed to a left wing back, but he is really good at getting forward. He was at Derby County when Frank Lampard was there. Um, so he was coming up, and then Sheffield get him. So we'll see how he fits into a into a wingback role. He's got pace for sure. He'll add something up front. I do want to see what Ryan Brewster does, but uh, dude, I I don't know. They they were punching above their weight last year, and they all had this they had this this fight in them, this momentum, like uh, us against the world. And that mixed in with Chris Wilder's managerial attitude, like the way he does things, was just the perfect storm, the perfect confluence of events to make them a very solid team. And they were coming off, you know, they were promoted. So you've got that, that, all right, now we're in the Premier League. Let's go get them, man. Let's go freaking take it to these guys. And they did. And I'm just wondering if maybe some of that fight wore off of them. And, and now you got to do it again. you got to do it in your second year. You didn't make 
a ton of signings, which I didn't think they needed to. But now, I don't know. We'll see. The jury's out. We'll find out what they're made of because you got 30 games to play, and it's a lot. But those points accumulate over time, and the points you don't get accumulate over time. So it's got they got to kickstart sooner than later. And unfortunately, in the Premier League, West Ham is considered a winnable game. That's a game you need. It's not like you're playing a top six team. So this is a game where they've got to get points. And, and one point is good, but something. They need some life. They are struggling, sure. and I did not see this coming. I mean, the good thing is, is we haven't played West Brom yet. You know, we, we tied with Fulham, which was – we left points on the board. Um, but we haven't played West Brom yet, haven't played Burnley. Those are, the, those are really the four teams at the bottom that we're trying to fight against. So, hopefully, you know, we play them in, in the next two months – um, so hopefully we can kind of steal some games here and there. You know, obviously I don't see us stealing any games from any top teams this year, um, but it's really important about those bottom. And, and we're not playing anything else. So it's strictly Premier League that, that the lads need to focus on, which is good. You know, Sandy was telling me that you, you don't want to be distracted having to play these other major tournaments. Unless it's the Champions League. Unless it's the Champions you League, exactly. Um, you want to you wanna be focused on playing, keeping up in the Premier League. So hopefully the lads do good there. But, Mr. Burks, I want to talk about our team over in Germany. Uh, yep, yep, yep. RB Leipzig, sir. Top they of the are, table. They are running the table right now. Um, I have not actually been able to watch many of their games because, of course, every time their game is on, uh, a important Premier League game is on. So I always pick the Premier League over Leipzig. But every time I see their score come up, they always seem to come out on top. You know, they, they even won the Champions League, I believe, last week, too. Yes. Uh, even though they went down 1-0, they the came PSG back and won. beat PSG. Yep. They beat PSG and came back and won 2-1. So they've been playing lights out, even with the loss of Timo Warner. I need to um, make a correction, Drew. I was wrong. They're not top of the table. I thought they were, but they're not. They're two points behind Bayern. I thought maybe they were a game back of Bayern so they could make up that point differential, but they're not. So I don't uh, know where – because I, I was for sure they were top of the table. But I uh, know Bayern are up. Eight, uh, 18 points, Leipzig right behind them in 16. But, yeah, dude, you lose Timo Werner, and here you are. You're still playing. They've got really good players, Drew, and they play a very exciting brand of football. Their midfield is deep. Yeah, they Sabitzer, a, Campbell, and Cuckoo. I mean – Danny o- Olmo, I believe. Danny Olmo, yep. He, he, he is – and then their, their back three with, led by Uncompo, or I don't, know how, I don't know if I said that wrong Upa, or right. Upa Makano. Upo Makano. You know what they call him, Drew? They call him Supa Makano. He's a super player. There you go. So their back line is really good. Their midfield is really good. The attack with the loss of O'Werner, but they've been scoring goals. You know, they've scored 15 goals so far this year. So, yeah. um, you know, they, they're still doing fine. I think they're – obviously, Byron is a, is a machine that will continue to pump out. So, I don't see them taking the top of the Bundesliga this year. But – um, hopefully they can make another push in the Champions League, make it interesting, because I think that'll be really dope to have a te- one of our teams make it pretty deep in there. Um, you know, they, they are in a tough um, – what is it? What is it called? A tough group. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the steal the, – the victory they got against PSG is huge. So, they can make some noise, my guys. Oh, boy. Breaking news, Drew. I know we're talking soccer, but we got to go back to college football. Sam Pittman, head coach of Arkansas, has just tested positive for COVID. Be tough for you guys. 
Um, let's get back to footy though. Florida. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to yeah. No kidding. Um, get back to footy for a sec with uh, Leipzig. They will probably lose Upa Makano in the transfer market sooner than later. Um, but one thing to be excited for is Brendan Aronson is a young American, and he was raised in Philadelphia through the youth academy at Philadelphia Union. He is since transfer. He's still playing for them. But when the season's over, he'll move to Red Bull Salzburg. So essentially how the Red Bull consortium works is you can play for New York Red Bulls, uh, Red Bull Salzburg. They're all connected. So essentially what that means is if Aronson plays well, he could eventually work his way to Leipzig. So that'd be freaking awesome to have an American playing for Leipzig. We already have an American playing for Leipzig. Well, yeah, Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams, I know. But to have Aronson moving there too? Like yes. to have another one. That's what I mean. Yes. And Adams doesn't play as frequently, but Aronson is on track to be a pretty solid player. So hopefully it works out for him. But if we get back to the Premier League, Drew, real quick, I wanted to bring your attention back to Sheffield because they've got a, a five-game stretch here where it is essential to get, I would say, seven points. If they can get seven points out of these fifth, out of a possible 15, you get West Ham, West Brom, Southampton, mm-hmm. which is – probably the toughest game i can't believe i'm saying that because then they get united and then yep. brighton you, you gotta get at least seven points in my opinion that would be a great uh momentum changer and to give them some leverage going into the i, I know it sounds crazy because then they'll still have 25 games to play but i mean i'm telling you these points add up mm-hmm. they do so it's big for them um real quick liverpool and city the two top teams in england for the last three years uh one one draw Liverpool have been hit with injuries. City equalized with um, Jesus scored. I know Salah scored off a penalty. And then miraculously, the guy who I simp over more than anyone, Kevin De Bruyne, misses a penalty that would have made it 2-1. I think Raheem Sterling missed a sitter late on, which he's getting accustomed to doing that, unfortunately. He's still a great player. But, uh, yeah, so Liverpool remain third in the table. City, I think, are in 10th right now. So that's um, – it's going to be concerning for City, for sure. I know some people are pulling back on their prediction that they would win the title. Um, it's a long way to go, but uh, things not looking good, Drew, for my prediction as well. No, not sir, they're good. not. But I hate to do this to you, but I want to jump to the Champions League. City is doing good in the Champions League, which doesn't make any sense, but it kind of does at the same time. You know, the Premier is one of the Premier League is one of the top divisions in soccer, so it makes sense. Uh, um, oh, it is the top. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. But I'm not gonna let this the Liga La Liga people get in here. The Bundesliga people. <laughs> if I like the Bundesliga. But uh, but Man City is three and zero in the Champions League. So, you know, they're playing well and and maybe a more quote unquote important uh to them. But it also might be due to their their group. But the the Premier League is doing pretty well in the in the Champions League. You know, we have Man Man United who sits atop their group. Chelsea, who sits atop their group, Liverpool, who sits atop their group, and then Man City's atop their group. The Premier League is showing now in the Champions League, which is good for you and I. They they certainly are. Chelsea uh, helped out by having a pretty easy group, but yeah, certainly love. We need to finish first and get a favorable draw in the knockout stages. Um, I'm not a big analytics guy. Well, I, okay, I am in some instances, but th- some of the analytics we use in soccer to judge teams are out of date because like they don't factor in the level of competition per se. It is worth noting that most advanced metrics have rated Aston Villa as the highest performing team in Europe so far, going back to the Premier League. I mean, they, they have, they're a game back. 
but with a win through eight games, they would be top of the table, which is – this is a team that survived relegation on the final day last year, kind of like Leicester City a few years ago. So, I'm not saying they'll win the title, but Aston Villa already, dude, doing crazy things. And um, that, that will uh, transition me. Drew, I'm going to let you end soccer talk on this. You, you get to take another victory lap. Notre Dame beat Clemson. But uh, I think the most impressive performance this weekend might have been yours in fantasy soccer. Who are you talking about, Ollie Watkins? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, baby. Hey, shout out to Ollie Watkins as well as Jack Greenlish and Sala. Those guys have been really helping my team pull up. I'm now in fourth place, baby. Got to love that. I've scored back-to-back weeks of 50-plus points. So, yes, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm living my life out there. You know, the Premier League um, – my Premier League team for fantasy soccer has been pulling, pulling, pulling some strings. You know, it's been a tough, tough couple weeks. At the beginning, I wasn't doing too hot. Um, unlike Sandy over here with almost 400 points, I believe now. That gap is closing quick. The gap has closed. It's not closing. Carson, I believe, is down three points or two points from yes, me right now. three points. So, coming in close. But the, the, the strings I was pulling back at the beginning of the year are finally paying dividends. Also, shout out to uh, Stone Paul himself for dropping Jack Greenlish again and allowing me to pick him up. Any chance I can get to to thank him, I do. Um, so shout out Stone. I told him not to. <laughs> oh my gosh! And uh, shout out to Steve Crenshaw's girlfriend Janie Stoltz for him, uh, dude. I'm worried about her team because that's they. Now you were the highest scoring player this week, but her team, man, she's got some of the best players from the best teams that if when they fire on all cylinders, man, I mean, she could hit you for 60 points a week if everything goes right. So we'll see. The gap is closing at the top. Carson and I still have a healthy six, roughly uh, 60 to 55 point lead over the rest. But, uh, hey, you never know. Injuries, bad run of form can happen. So we'll see. But I guess, Drew, that just about does it for soccer talk today, doesn't it? Yes, sir, Mr. Burks. That does it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. If you guys want to listen to more of our episodes and our interviews, you guys can go to Splitting Uprights on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else you guys find your content. Uh, For podcasts, go ahead and hit the subscribe button or the follow button uh, and show us some appreciation. We'd love that. Uh, And then as well, if you guys want to see some more daily content that the guys put out, go to Splitting Ups on Twitter. And that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Nothing feels better than this Nothing feels better Nothing feels better